Well, this is uh, the first Sunday of Advent as we uh, celebrate and look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus and uh, as we celebrate on the 25th. And as we think about that, I was thinking about our series in the Gospel of Luke, and we already heard from the Gospel of Luke this morning as we uh, prepare our hearts for uh, promises made and promises kept. But I was also thinking just about life. You know, as you think about Christmas, if you've uh, been on this planet for any length of time, you've had numerous Christmases, and at the end of Christmas, people are going to ask you the question, how was your Christmas, right? You're going to hear that over and over and over again. And I was thinking about that, but I was also thinking about how just people will greet one another, and often you'll hear the question, how are you doing? How are you doing today? And you wrestle with the answer to that. Do, you, do, I, do I tell them the whole story or just give them and say, I'm doing fine? Um, and sometimes at the end of the day, however, you'll get the Christmas question, which is, you know, how was your Christmas? And they'll say, and they might not say, how was your Christmas, but they might say, what did you do on Christmas? And sometimes we will do that at the end of the day. I had this happen a couple times this week where people at the end of my day say, what did you do today? Well, this past week I was reading about an individual who did some things. If you'd asked him the question, how did you do today? He'd say, well, I set another world record. Now, he's, I'm not particularly related to him, though I kind of, I'm kind of built like him. Dwayne Johnson, who's probably better known as, what are you laughing about? <laughs> as The Rock, uh, he is, uh, he's not just set one world record, he's actually set five world records. I don't even know that, but uh, the most recent one that I think was done this week, at least that's when I read about this week on uh, Yahoo News, and, and this is what he and his group of friends did. They, they set a new world record, and, and the record was this, that they had uh, created a maze of 3,006 cereal boxes around a, a, a kind of domino effect. And they broke the previous record of 2,686 cereal boxes by having them stream down in continuous fashion with no box left standing. Aren't you impressed that The Rock can do something like that? I mean, that's just impressive. And now, I don't know all his road records, but I did read a couple other ones that he had actually accomplished. He had also just recently, in fact, as of this last February, set a record where uh, they put together with he and his friends... Uh, the world's largest bean dip. Now, are you, now, when you come to church, you always want to leave church learning something you didn't know before. So do you want to know how, how big their bean dip was? Okay, 540 pounds of bean dip. So if you want to be a world record holder, all you have to do is 541 pounds. And the, the last record that I read about was Dwayne Johnson set the record as the most selfies taken with fans at a premiere of, uh, of a movie. And so at the San Andreas, that's the earthquake movie. I don't know if you saw that. Um, they didn't say how many he did, but he has the record of the most selfies made with fans at a premiere of a movie. So if you want to take something bizarre and figure it out and say if Guinness Book of World Records will somehow affirm you, you can actually spend a day setting a world record. But what I want to ask you today, if someone were to ask you, what did you do today? Could you honestly say, well, what I did today is I prayed. Now, most people, when you would hear that, it would be exactly what happened to you. All, all were just kind of silent, you know. How impressive is that? What, what did you do today? Well, I, I prayed. And, and if you want to add a little extra credit, say, I, not only did I pray, but I, but I read the Bible, because the Bible kind of guides me in how to pray and what to pray about, and, and what should I be doing when I am praying in a way that really honors God. 
Well, this morning, I'm not going to really give you a suggestion on how to set a world record as far as in the Guinness Book of Records. But I I do want to suggest you something that is important to you in the day that you could respond back to something about what you did that was really important. And whether you say it or not, because that sounds a little super spiritual, you know, I really prayed today. But could you say it in your heart of hearts? I spent meaningful time communicating with the creator of this universe who loves me so much that he sent his son to die for me. And not only that, he delights in just communicating, talking with me and the things that are on my heart and and, and the lives of other people that I care about. I was able to talk with him about that. Well, this morning we're going to talk about prayer. And really, as we begin this Advent season, hopefully we're all desiring a Merry Christmas. But I, I would suggest to you that God not only wants us to have a Merry Christmas, but a meaningful Christmas. And there are many people today, in fact, I just heard this uh, past week, that there are more uh, appointments made in uh, therapists and counselors and psychiatrists' offices during the Christmas season than just about any other time, if not any other time in the year. And part of that is because there's such high expectations but, but low results. And I know there's a movie coming out, and I'm not trying to squash the movie. It's probably a cute movie, but it, it's, it's, it's called the, uh, the Man Who Made Christmas. Have you heard about that? I think it's going to be a Charles Dickens story about, you know, Scrooge. And, you know, they kind of took it to grab people. But let me tell you, Charles Dickens, and it's a great story, he didn't didn't make Christmas, did he? Because Christmas is is all about Jesus. It's all about the Christmas. But if we're we're really going to encounter a a merry enemy for Christmas, we're going to have to slow down and we're going to have to spend some time talking with God. And it's throughout the day. But if we talk with God, let's talk about some things that, are important to him as well as important to us. So this morning, we're going to go to the passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 11, and we're going to be looking at the truth about prayer. If you have been with us for any length of time, you realize that we're kind of taking that theme throughout the Gospel of Luke because that's how the Gospel of Luke begins. Luke says, I'm writing this so you might know the truth about the things that were said about Jesus and the life of Jesus. And through that, we see so many and hear so many themes that are, are so practical and enlightening in terms of what life is all about and who God is and who we are and how we connect with Him and how we are to live for Him. And I invite you, if, if you haven't made that step of faith, you're only going to have a meaningful Christmas if you know the Christ of Christmas. And so hopefully you make that step this morning. But so vital in any relationship, and that's what it is in terms of a connection with God, it's a relationship. Uh, it all begins with communication, doesn't it? And so if we don't somehow get in a pattern where we communicate better with God, then we're going to miss out on so much what he has for us. And so that was not a, a novel thought for us today only because it was, a, it was a thought behind the disciples as they were with Jesus. And he had heard him, heard him teach over and over and over and over again. And, and finally they said, well, would you mind teaching on this subject? And we know because of other parts of the Gospels that he, they actually had asked them, asked Jesus that numerous times because they didn't quite get it the first time. And we're going to be dealing with a familiar portion of Scripture. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Anybody ever heard that before, the Lord's Prayer? We've all probably heard it recited and stated. But sometimes familiarity not only breeds content, but it breeds confusion. 
We think it somehow it's a, it's a section of the Word of God that we ought to memorize, and I really value Scripture memory, but it's, it's not simply to be recited. In fact, if that's all you do with it, if that's all I do with it, we've missed the point. Because what it is, it's, it's, a, it's a template. It's a, a model for us how to pray. And so this morning, as much time we'll have, we'll, we'll see what God has for us concerning prayer. But a couple other free things as we begin. I want you to know that somehow we, we kind of missed, uh, kind of uh, make prayer almost too mystical in the sense that, that we've got to do certain things just right or it doesn't, doesn't happen. If we really pray, we ought to kneel. Uh, Steve Morris was kidding with me as I gave communion to the, the worship team. He said, he's going to probably make us kneel, you know. Is, that, is it more spiritual if we kneel when we somehow worship God or take communion or do anything else what we consider spiritual? Well, I want to let you know, and I just, ran, I just wrote them down. As you look at prayer, you'll, you'll see prayers in the Bible where people are standing, sitting, kneeling, bowing, lying face down, uplifted hands, looking up, and also looking down. I guess body posture is not the, the key thing in terms of how well you pray. Also, you think about when you pray, and I'm a morning person, I like praying in the morning, but there are many examples of people praying in the morning and at noon and the evening. It's not the time you pray. It's the quality of your prayers. It's also not what kind of emotional state you're in. You're in. Because sometimes either our emotional state will drive us to prayer and sometimes it will, it will drive us away from prayer. Have you found that? You know, and it's different for all of us. Some, some emotions kind of push us to prayer and other ones push us away and it might be different for different people. But you'll see throughout Scripture... Uh, people will pray when they're sad, when they have grief, when they're in despair, when they have sorrow, but also when they're in great joy. So prayer is really available for us at all times, in all situations, in all kind of uh, experiences. And, and let me just suggest to you, when you pray in the car, don't close your what? Don't close your eyes. Okay, so there's all kinds of things. You don't have to bow your head, close your eyes when you pray. But you need to remember who you're praying to and what's really important to him. Well, let's look at it this morning as we look at what prayer is all about. And, and really, uh, what I've tried to do with this, uh, we have been growing, going at a rather slow pace to the Gospel of Luke, and, and I'm, not too con- I'm not really convicted about that, feeling guilty. There's so much in here. But we could go even slower. And when we look at the Lord's Prayer this morning, we could make a, 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 a month of sermons on it. We could take every bit and piece out of it. And since I've done that in times in the Gospel of Matthew, I was so tempted to do it again in the Gospel of Luke, but I resisted that temptation. But there's much here, but in the midst of its, of its detail, I don't want us to miss the simplicity of it as well. And hopefully you'll get that this morning. I don't always pray with alliteration, but sometimes I do when it just starts to flow out of the text. So this morning, this message is given to you by the letter P. Uh, we're going to be seeing a number of things here about prayer, and, and if you want to get the main points at first, and then relax and sleep the rest. Here it goes. Uh, Lord, teach us to pray. Uh, we're going to see there's a pattern for prayer. Uh, there, is a, there are reasons for persistence and passion in prayer, and there is a f- philanthropic part to prayer. I had that memorized, and all of a sudden my mind just stopped there for a moment, all right? Well, we're going to look at prayer from this thing. There's a pattern for prayer. There, is, there are reasons for persistence and passion in prayer, and there is a philanthropic part in prayer. And if you wonder which, which point, I had a hard time with a P in that last one, okay? So we'll, but we'll get to it when we see it this morning. Well, let's look at it. There's a pattern for prayer, and we're going to see that as we begin. Luke chapter 11. It happened that while Jesus was praying 
in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And then he said to them. So here we have a response. Here's the, the teacher is, is no longer setting the curriculum at this moment. He's responding to his students. Uh, sometimes in life groups, uh, uh, particularly uh, my Monday group, they, they always seem to get me distracted, and they're always trying me to answer their questions rather than questions I've so, so slavishly put together for them to answer. But they've answered the questions already. But, you know, sometimes what you do is if you're a teacher, it's not so much giving out information. What you want is people to learn, right? And particularly what they're concerned about, what is important to them, is if you can reach into their life and say, hey, here's some truths that will really impact your life. Uh, and so Jesus is doing this with his disciples. And what motivated them was not some information that somehow they didn't have. They were looking at his life and said, I don't have that. They saw him pray, and they said, look, at uh, our prayer life isn't anywhere near like your prayer life. Can you teach us to prayer? And in case he was resisting, he said, well, you know, John used to do that with the disciples. Can't you do that for us? And you didn't have to bribe Jesus to talk about prayer. But he, he goes in and he says, I'm going to, and he speaks to them about what they're most concerned about. And what we have here concerning the Lord's prayer, it's probably the disciples' prayer in the sense that that was the prayer they were to learn from. Uh, we have the abbreviated version here in the Gospel of Luke. In in verse 2, it says this, And he said to them, this is Jesus, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, and ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. How many have Luke's Lord's Prayer memorized? (laughs) It's a little different than Matthew's, right? Right? Matthew's is the longer version. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us, not, uh, forgive us our, our, uh, our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. How many of you know that one? Okay. That's the more familiar one, right? And uh, some of you would say, well, I heard it with trespasses, and that's just a, a manuscript variant. Some have uh, more uh, clearly trespasses, others have it more debt and being indebted to. Let me just clear up the confusion. It's all about forgive us our sins and those who have sinned against us. That's the point. But I want to make a point here. One of the reasons, and this is probably a different rendering in Matthew and in Luke because Jesus taught it a second time. And anybody who's ever taught, sometimes when you teach, you don't always say the exact same words you said the time before. Anybody ever have that experience? If you tell a story more than once, you leave out certain details, add other details, and that just happens. And Jesus also, I think, did this on a particular purpose because he didn't want people to think somehow you were to memorize this prayer and just recite it as a prayer. Because it's not so much a prayer to be prayed, but a pattern of prayer that ought to be prayed. And and do you understand the difference there? And and in fact, in many ways, why this is not the Lord's prayer, he couldn't have prayed this prayer. Do you understand? Because he says, will you forgive us our sins? Did Jesus ever sin? No. Okay. So Jesus didn't pray this prayer, but he says, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And and this is the pattern. This This is the template. This is the thing that you, you put on uh, 
on things when you want to get a, a diagram of something. And this is how we ought to look at this prayer. Now, I know in my life, if, if I don't work at prayer, it, it, my prayer... I guess so many things to say. I don't know what I want to say this morning. Okay. If you don't work at communication, you're not going to be very good at it, right? And I'm not talking about speaking up in front. But I'm talking even in speaking with friends and family and spouses and kids. and things like that. You have to work at communicating well. Would we agree with that? I remember when I was in seminary, one of my professors wrote a book, Communication Key to Marriage. You know, he just hammered us. If you're going to help families and spouses, uh, you know, they've got to learn how to communicate with each other. Well, somehow we think it's so easy to communicate with God because we just talk with Him. And I think that is a, a blessing in our relationship with God is we can just talk with Him, but we can get into some bad patterns. Would you agree? Did you ever thought that God, when He listens to us pray, He's kind of bored? Man, can't you say anything different? <laughs> you know, you know can't, can't, can't you open up your life a little bit more fully to me? Can't you pray about things not just about yourselves but for others? Anybody there? Okay. Okay, so... So Jesus gave a, a pattern here to say, look, here's where you can begin expanding your discipline in prayer and, and your experience in prayer. Now, many of you have been in church for any length of time. There's an acrostic that many of us have memorized, acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Anybody ever heard that? Okay, a few of you. And that's a, that's a template to pray. But what I want to do is, is I say, well, if this is a pattern for prayer, is there any way I can wrestle with this to, to make this a, a pattern for me to think about when I am talking with God? Now, let me just say this as well. Everything that God teaches us about how we can pray and what we should pray about and, and who we should pray about, you're not going to do that in every prayer, every time you need God and respond to God. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 30, Jesus walked on the water, and when Jesus walked on the water, Peter, who always wanted to be where Jesus was, he, he jumped out of the boat and started walking toward Jesus. But then this, the waves started distracting him, and he started to what? Sink. He didn't pray this prayer, all right? He didn't pray this pattern prayer. All he says is, Lord, what? Help me. Save me. Help the boy, right? He was sinking. If, if somehow he, he had gone to this long prayer, he would have never got up, right? He would have drowned before he finished. Amen. So we're not there. I've mentioned to you again, I, I'm kind of a simple kind of guy. There's only two types of prayers. Long prayers and what? Short prayers. Okay, somewhere in between. That's all you got to do. But in the midst of my prayer life, if this kind of a template helps me think, okay, in my longer prayers... What should I pray, be praying to God about or talking to God about? And this is what I came up with. It's an acrostic pray, P-R-A-Y. And I put it in a number of different literature things that we have. But I think this kind of summarizes this prayer. If you look at the prayer, and we'll, we'll put these kind of two together, Matthew's rendering of it and Luke's rendering of it. But if you think about it, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's praise. And then as you think, of, well, what comes next? A request. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's requesting God's kingdom to come, and it's also asking God's will to be done. Simple as that. Then, then he talks about that we ought to ask for forgiveness of our sins and forgive people who have sinned against us. And then he, he talks about, before that, he says, give us this day our daily, what? 
bread. Well, that's asking, asking for two things, physical and spiritual needs. God wants us to, invites us to pray about anything and everything, but it ought to be a physical component and there ought to be a spiritual component. And at the end, then he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, what's the point there? Well, if we have time, we'll, we'll talk about what that means because that's kind of the more mysterious thing that he said there. But he really means this, yield to God to resist sin. Sometimes we think that when we live a Christian life, that if we lived it well enough, you don't need to turn your page yet. I'm not, I'm not done yet, so just, just relax. Okay. <laughs> we might not get to the other two points. All right. It is that when, when, when we go through the Christian life, we think if I'm really living it well, I won't even have any problem with sin. I won't have any, any challenges in my life. You know, God will put this bubble around me if I'm walking close with him and, and nothing will attack me, nothing will, will, will cause me to doubt, nothing will cause me to struggle. And that's just not true. In fact, Jesus went into temptation, right? And there was a couple reasons he went into temptation. The, the primary reason was to show that he could withstand it, right? Now, we get into temptation to be a testimony for God, that we were able to resist that which would bring us down the wrong path. But also, when we have to struggle with things, it makes us what? You know, like the rock. I'm the rock up here, right? You know, if you struggle putting up the, the weight, you're now trying to push something that is a little bit beyond your comfort zone. But if you only lift weights that are, are very easy to lift, you're never going to get stronger. And, and so the idea here is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, God never tempts anyone to sin. But what he is saying here, don't let me get into anything that I cannot handle. Uh, and really, it's an attitude toward our part, is that we don't want to go down a path that we know, the, uh, that's, that's beyond my comfort zone right here. I, I, should, I should run from that, not try to endure that. And part of having that happen in your life is talking to God about it. God, help me to know the things that I need to be as far away from as possible. But whatever you bring into my light, then I want you to give me the strength to go through it. Does that make sense? So let's look at this prayer. And I was so tempted this morning, said, so I'm not going to preach. All we're going to do is pray for 45 minutes. But since I'm a preacher, I didn't want to do that. So anyway, so is that, what is he really saying? Well, let's go through the text just a little bit and see some of the highlights. Okay. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. Now, what's interesting about this, and this is, this is something I really only discovered in, in studying this version of it because I read some passages, I, uh, some people beyond what I normally read in the Gospel of Matthew, is that you know, when Jesus said, our Father, our Father, this was shocking to them. I, I never really knew that. In the Old Testament, the word Father is only used 14 times in 39 books. The Old Testament. And which is bigger, the Old Testament or the New Testament? The Old Testament. In the Gospels, it's used 60 times. Jesus, right in the very beginning, was shocking them about prayer. I want you to understand that your, your prayer experience with God is relational. It, it's the Abba Father. It's, it's the Aramaic word for daddy or dearest father. You come into his presence because not only should you want to speak to him, but he wants to listen to you. And so remember that at the very beginning. And then he says, hallowed be your name, which which is really is a word to say, holy be your name, which means to set apart his name and who he is beyond anyone else you can imagine or think of. 
And so when we, we go into the presence of God, and we can do this throughout the day, and, and, and prayer is not simply set aside an hour, you know, sweet hour of prayer. How many people spend sweet hours of prayer? Some people are, but, you know, sweet two minutes and five minutes, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here, or half hour here, but most people don't have a sweet hour of prayer. But whenever you pray, remember who you're talking with. And doesn't that make all the difference when you're, who you're talking to? If you know who you're talking to, it makes a difference how you say what you say and what you're saying to them about. And so begin by just remembering who you're talking with. And the best way to do that is praise him for who he is. Set apart him as, as the one who knows all and hears all and can do all. He is the one who loves you so much that in spite of your sin, he delights for you to come to him. He's not the one who, if they only knew what I was, what I was like and what I've done, they would, they, would, they would shun me. He knows everything about you and still invites you into his presence. He's the one who is merciful and gracious. And, and you, just, you just reflect on who he is as you talk to him. And sometimes you'll spend a lot of time in praise, and sometimes it will be a short time in praise. But make that part of your communication every day you pray to him. Not every prayer, but every day you pray to him, include that in your sharing with him. You ever look back in your life and say, you know, I wish I'd, I'd praised my kids more or my wife more? So <laughs> spend time praising God. Secondly, um, when he says, request his kingdom to come and his will to be done. Uh, we, we don't have time to give you all the particulars on this, but this kingdom he's talking about is the kingdom that will come. With, with all the things that are happening around the world, we're, we're living in a crazy world right now. Would we all agree? I don't care what part of the political platform you're on, but there are strange things happening, whether it's North Korea or what's happening in the Middle East or what's happening in our own country. Uh, I mean, I, can you imagine? Of course, things, are, things hit the fans so more broadly than they ever have, but I, I mean, every, every, every avenue of life, all you see is, is sexual harassment and sexual misconduct, and you're thinking, is, man, what's behind everybody's closed door? Now, the thing is, we shouldn't be surprised about that. We ought to be heartbroken about that. But we ought to recognize things are only going to be made totally right until what? Jesus comes. And so God's people who really involve in prayer are people who invite Jesus to come soon. Now, he's going to come on his timetable. But inviting him to come gives us a whole different perspective on life, isn't it? I put in your outline here a couple of passages. 1 Corinthians 16, 21. You ever heard the, the phrase Maranatha? You know, well, Maranatha means Lord come. Lord come. It's the Aramaic word, Lord come. And so we ought to be those kind of people. It, it, you know, the last book in the Bible is the book of what? Revelation. And he ends that book with saying, Lord, come quickly. And, and so part of that is, is we will have a sense of wanting that, that place that he has promised for us to, to come and he will then take that place and also plant it here on earth is that we long for his return. And so we ought to be sharing that with him. And then also as we think about that, it is, this is the personal part, and, and, and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that gets the point of saying, okay, now that I'm out here on earth, your will is obviously done perfectly in heaven, but while I'm here on earth, I want to be part of doing what 
you want me to do. And I, I want your will to be done in other people's lives. And, and one of the greatest things that God's will is expressed is God, God, God is not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to what? To repentance. His will is for people to come to him. And so that ought to be at the heart of our prayer life. We want to, to treat the people around us like Jesus would treat them. We want to be the kind of people that people can see Jesus, but they can see him in us as imperfect as that is. We want to be people that, that go the extra mile for others so that the love of Christ can be manifested in, in, a, in amazing ways. And so as we go to prayer, we, we spend time in praise, and then we re- request his kingdom to come, which means I, I'm anticipating his return, and I want him to return. And then I want his will to be done in my life and the lives of people I care about. And then he goes on and said, well, I want you to understand you can ask for, for things that you need or other people need. Ask for the physical needs of others. And when we have people who go through life and they, they've had a crisis, and whether it be because of some disease or as we've seen and heard recently, if people have been shot, people have been abused, and we ask that somehow in the midst of all that they go through that they might be, they might be delivered and rescued from that. But we have to be honest because God does not always answer that he will heal people or provide for every physical desire and need that they might have here on this earth. But we do know that God will meet every need when they see him face to face. And, and part of it is to realize even when we are filled with blessing, uh, Give us this day our daily bread. And in America, most of the time, we don't have to pray that because it's already there in the refrigerator, right? But it is an attitude that when we open the refrigerator, recognize, but by the grace of God, that refrigerator could have been empty, right? And so we thank him for whatever is in our homes, and we return thanks to that. But we also ask for spiritual needs. We look in our lives. Is there, is there anybody in my life that, that right now I'm harboring bitterness toward or or is there anything in my life that, that God looks at and is ashamed that one of his children is living that way? And, and so we, we allow God to have a spotlight in our life, either to our relationship with him or our relationship to others. And, and it doesn't just stop there as we think about spiritual needs. It's, it's asking God that we might have, as is, is, is you look at some of the model prayers of, in the New Testament, that as Paul said, I, I want you to know, Lord, that, that when I am weak, that's when I'm really strong. That I might really understand the, the depths of your love, that I might have spiritual eyes that might know the high calling that I have in, in knowing you. And, and so all the things that the New Testament talks about, our, our position and identity in Christ, that we would pray, that we would experience that in a deep way and realize that in people we care about as well. So as we pray, we, we come to that place where we recognize, number one, is that we need to spend time recognizing who we're talking to, and that's what praise is all about. And then secondly, that we would be a people that would ask for God's kingdom be, to come, that we'd be kingdom-oriented people wanting him to return, and that his will to be done. And then thirdly, that we would ask for physical and spiritual needs. And as I talked to you in the past, uh, just recently, I mean just this morning, that we would yield to him, yield to him in re- our resistance against sin. So that's the model prayer. Well, what else does he say about prayer? Because he doesn't stop there because he goes on and then he tells them a story. We all like stories. And in this story here, we, we hear that he also wants us, now you can turn your paper, that uh, there, are, there are reasons for persistence and passion in prayer. And let me tell you, as I'm preaching this, all of this, 
hits home to me that I fall so short of this in my prayer life. Let's pick it up in verse 5. Then he, Jesus, said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend friend, and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, it would be fun to tell this whole story in a, long, a longer period of time, but let me just tell you this. We don't relate to this a whole lot because too often, not too, too often do we have somebody in the middle of the night asking for a cup of sugar or a, or a bowl of, what is a cup of sugar and what? And a cup of what? Milk? Is it a cup of milk? I well, I've never done it. So anyway, I remember a cup of sugar, but I forget what the other part of it. Anyway, so we really never have that happen, right? No one, anybody ever had in the middle of the night someone asked for a cup of sugar? Okay, so we're saying we can just scratch that out of the Bible because that doesn't relate to us. Now, what are you saying here? Okay, in that day, they didn't have a lot in the refrigerator. So people would come over, and it was such a thing. You better be hospitable to them. And, he, and so somebody came over, and they had nothing to, nothing to feed them, nothing. And they said, oh, I know a friend of mine. He's probably got something that I can go to him and ask for. But it's the middle of the night. Now, in that particular time, it wasn't just that you had to get up and, and maybe tiptoe down there and, and open up the door and maybe in a discreet way give what you have. This was, this was a one-room house, probably 12 by 14, maybe the size of a you know, good-sized bedroom. And if you want to know where the kitchen was, it was all divided by curtains. Okay, there's the kitchen. That's a four by four here. And, and you know, here's our, where we normally eat. That's another four by four. And here's, the other part is here where, where we all sleep. In fact, when we all sleep, all the curtains go and we're all in one room. And, and if, if, just imagine that. Let's say you had four or five kids, okay, and you had your, your wife there and, and yourself and for whatever reason, you weren't sleeping as soundly as everybody else. And the person knocks on the door and you say, if I get up, who do I wake up? Everybody. Now, some of you have some young children. When the, child, when the baby wakes up, do they go back to sleep very easily? He said, no, I'm not getting up. I know you're my friend, but I'm not getting up because if I get up, everybody wakes up and we won't get any more sleep the rest of the night. Then even though he's a good friend, he says, I'm not coming out. But there's something that got him to get up. It was his persistence. He would not go away. He kept on knocking. Because this was important to him. He was passionate about being a good, uh, hospitable host for whoever showed up late at night in his house. And he would not get up. Now, what's the point here about prayer? Well, is, is God like that? You know, he's our friend, but he's sleeping. He doesn't want to get up. Is that what his point here? Is he, does, he, does he reluctantly give what he wants, that what, what we need? That's not the point here. The point is that from our end, as we pray, he wants us to realize Powerful prayer is when we are persistent in prayer and passionate in prayer. Now, why would that be true? I mean, if God already knows, why can't I just say it to him once? That's kind of how I would like to pray. I want to pray it one time, and that's it. That's just the way I, you know, am wired. But you know why God wants me to be persistent about certain things that are, are important? Because, number one, persistence. I, I don't have much time. All right. 
If there's something that's important to you, okay, how would you know it's really important to you? You know, you'd keep doing it, right? Now, how would you know if it wasn't really that important? Because after a while, you would simply, what? Quit, right? You'd just quit doing it. And then also, and then you ask yourself, why would you quit doing it? Because you don't believe it's going to actually happen, right? How many diets have you been on? The reason we stop diets is because we try it for a while and then it doesn't work, right? And so we what? We stop. How many exercise programs have you been on? We start on exercise programs and after a while we stop because it's not what? It's not working. I don't care. How about it? I probably should, I, I should use a different analogy. Okay. How about, how many have ever tried to learn a, 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 another language? I know Hank owns 25 languages. I don't know how many you know. But how many have ever tried to learn another language after you've been an adult? Okay, two or three of you. How many have started to try to learn another language after you're an adult? I've done that a number of different ways, you know. And, and, you know, I stop. Why? Because after a while I go, this is hard. I'm not sure I'm going to get it. You understand what I'm saying here? Persistence is not only showing how much you want it, but how much you believe it's going to happen. And so it, it's, it's really a synonym for faith. When you're persistent, it's showing you really trust that God will actually do it. Now, we don't know when he's going to, but he's going to do it. So as we think about prayer, we ought, to, we ought to know what to pray about. You know, that's the pray. We ought, to, we ought to know how to pray about it. We ought to do it persistently and passionately. And just basically just reading the passage, I'll finish my last point. And then he concludes this way. So I, so I say to you, this is Jesus, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And again, it's the idea of keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake because uh, instead of a fish, will he? They kind of looked a lot alike so he could fool his son in a kind of a crazy way. Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And this is where I put the point this way. What, what, what's involved in prayer? It's, it's knowing the pattern of prayer. It's knowing that we ought to be persistent and passionate in prayer. And then thirdly, there is a philanthropic part to prayer. What, what, is the word, what does the word philanthropic mean? It means that you seek to promote the welfare of others. You are generous and benevolent. Now, there's a whole sermon behind this, but let me just say this. God is a good guy, God, and when we go to him, he will give us good gifts. But when, when we pray to God, sometimes that which we think is good for us, God knows better, and he doesn't what? He doesn't give it to us. And sometimes it is even good, but he says, in the midst of a fallen world, I'm not going to rescue you or your loved one from what they're going through. Does that mean that God is not philanthropic, which means a man lover or human lover. He loves us. And he will give us what we desperately need. But what we need to understand, what we more need more than anything else, is his spirit living and ruling in our lives. Isn't that true? If you've already been given the best gift, if you don't get some of the other things, isn't that true even this Christmas? If, if there's something important you really want and you get that, I mean, you like all the other little things, right? But you got the best gift. That what's, that's what made Christmas awesome, right? Particularly when you're a little kid. If you got the, if you got the Red River, what's that little, you know, the, you know the, the BB gun, all right? If you got the BB gun, you can care less what else you got because you got the BB gun. So we got the Holy Spirit, and he's the one who sustains us through. 
Uh, I kind of shotgun at you, I kind of, kind of uh, sprayed at you this morning, but, but really, as I was wrestling with this passage this week, actually the last couple weeks, it, it really gets down to the question on the so what, well, how's my prayer life? Would, would it fit this? Do I, do I have part of that pattern in how I talk with God? Am I really persistent and passionate in my prayers? Do I really believe that God has that which is philanthropic for me and gives me that which I really need? And, and, am, I, and am I settled in that? God invites us to have a, a real, mature relationship with Him. And it's an ongoing work to be people who talk well with their God. Let's pray together. Well, I pray in the midst of all that was said this morning that, that you brought home the truths that will challenge us to live more fervently and faithfully with you. But Father, you want us to be people who delight in talking with you because you delight in hearing from us. But Father, it, it does take a, a, a commitment to, to, to learn how to speak well with the living God. And Father, I would pray for anyone here that doesn't know you. Might they realize it all begins with a prayer. A prayer of saying, Lord, I surrender to you. I believe in what you did on the cross for me, and I give my life to you. Now, Father, as we remember what it took for us to have a relationship with you, I pray as we remember at the communion table that you might bring to mind and heart that which needs to be brought to you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This is a self-serving communion table. We invite you to come, pick up the elements, take them back to where you sit, and remember what the Lord has done for you.